1: Jason Saxon, which team do you feel has more pressure on them? Well, I still think it's Ohio State, to be honest. I mean, Notre Dame's pressure is internal. I think Ohio State has more external pressure for the reasons that we talked about earlier, but, you know, the, the expectations. But honestly, we had an Ohio State fan in here the other day, and, and I think this comment was a little off, but he, he, was, he wasn't off the mark by much. He said this is a lose-lose for Ohio State. If you lose, you you lost to a team that people perceive to be inferior and if you win, you beat a team you're supposed to beat. I, I don't think it's quite that extreme, but it's not far off. It's it's definitely that way with the fan base. I, I, there's not. I have yet to see even even Archer, who's a, a fair guy, has just never thought Notre Dame had a shot to win this game. He's even predicting them to lose by double figures. You know, I mean, there's not a. I've yet to meet an Ohio State fan that thinks Notre Dame is anywhere close to being on their level. So. If they beat Notre Dame, they're going to be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, we're supposed to do that. And if they lose, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. This is war- awful. Because they, I doubt that Ohio State fans are going to come to the realization, wow, you know what? They're actually better than I thought. This team's better than I thought. Uh, I was wrong about them. The way the Georgia, fan, Georgia fans and Clemson fans uh, came to the realization and it, to where there's a respect for Notre Dame. Like, you know, we faced you. You Yeah, we beat you uh, in Georgia's case. But, man, you guys gave us a test. We thought we were going to blow you out. And it's because you got some good football players over there. There was a level of respect. I, I remember watching some Notre Dame and Georgia fans in 2019. I, I sat there and watched this, and I couldn't believe it because I love Georgia's press box, by the way. It's low and it's outdoors. So it's a great press box. But I'm watching. It was Notre Dame but fans, but there's also some Georgia fans. As Notre Dame was leaving the field after the end of the game, we're standing cheering for Notre Dame. It was kind of like – you know, like they were like, wow, this this team earned our respect. This team came and fought, and they battled, and they gave our boys everything they can handle. And there was a level of respect for that. I do not. I think ninety percent of Ohio State fans, if Notre Dame wins, will not have a. I was wrong about Notre Dame mentality. It'll be what's wrong with Ohio State. That'll be their reaction. So, in that regard, I think there's merit to the fact that Ohio State is, in some ways, a bit of a lose-lose situation when it comes to their fan base and a portion of the media cuz you know like the fine bombs and the people like that are going to look at this the same way they're fan- oh, how do you lose to Notre Dame cuz he's a clown and he'll look for any chance to tear down Ohio State and other programs he he views as as threats to the SEC and he does not view Notre Dame as a threat to the SEC so uh, but but with rational analysts and rational fans and coaches if if Ohio State plays well and Notre Dame just plays better, they're going to say, you know what? You lost to a really good football team. Uh, Now go make some changes and adjustments and you'll be okay and go, go handle your business. But amongst the fan base and, and a certain part of the clickbait driven national media, Ohio State has a lot more pressure because they're supposed to go into Notre Dame stadium and win. And, um, that's that's why I would say my answer would be Ohio State. Some of you may disagree. I'd be curious what you guys think about that because that's my take. I, I want to know what you guys think. Do you guys agree with me? Do you think it's Ohio State that has more pressure uh, on them? I, I think they do. I'd be curious what you guys think.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: The game Notre Dame fans have been waiting for all season is here, as the Fighting Irish get ready to play the Ohio State Buckeyes. And if you're still looking for tickets to this titanic battle, Game Time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The GameTime guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. download the game time app today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed that's gametime.co all right next question 99 problems bka1 since stanford's mascot is a tree and ohio state's mascot is a tree nut does that make stanford their daddy just thinking of creative ways to put the tree nuts in their proper place here's how you put them in their proper place 99 problems but bka ain't one still love that at the end of the game you look up the scoreboard Notre Dame's point total is higher than Ohio State's point, t- point total. That's the one and only way to put the Buckeyes in their place because you can come up with all the creative insults that you want, and that's a funny one, by the way. Stanford's your daddy. You can do all that stuff, but if at the end of the game, they have more points than your team has. doesn't matter. They're just fun insults, but I'll gladly take all the insults in the world if the team I follow has more points than the team that they follow at the end of the day. And, at the, and that's all really how state fans think about. Pythagorean says as a coach you may know more about the logistical time and effort constraints but can you calm my fears that Lorenzo won't bite Notre Dame like he is their Brent Venables knowing the offense and the defense. Again, this is a different team. They have they'll have different signals, uh, your game plan changes from week to week, your calls change from week to week. Um, you know, I is he going to try to help them? I'm sure most coaches don't really tap into that too much because they understand your, your knowledge, even though you were there in the spring, it's going to be somewhat limited because of how things evolve and change as you go through different periods. And, and Notre Dame will have some things where they'll have some, some checks and some calls that are different. The other thing too, is Notre Dame huddles a lot more now than they did in the past. So it, it they're not just making as many quite as many deep calls from the sideline there's there's more stuff that's happening on the fly that you really can't can't quickly get a reaction to so I, i'd be more worried about james laranitas than i would be lorenzo styles as far as knowing things much more concerned about that coach Koch has a question based on performance up to this point who can get drafted this year and where do they go oh man i Based on performance so far, here's guys that I would assume would get drafted in the 24 draft: Sam Hartman, Audric Estime, Blake Fisher. I'm excuse me, uh, uh, Joe Alt, Riley Mills, Javante, Javante Jean Baptiste. Most likely, Cam Hart. Mm, I'm hoping Maris is not because I'm hoping he comes back, but maybe JD Bertrand. Maybe that's who I would say would probably uh, now again I'm, I'm i'm hoping that chris tyree comes back I'm, I'm hoping that blake fisher comes back so i'm projecting some of those guys to come back um i'm, I'm hoping jordan Patel comes back that's why i don't have him on the list so there's some xavier watts i don't have on the list because i want him to come back so those are guys that i'm that i'm pretty sure are going to be gone after this year some of them definitely will be i mean javante will definitely be sam will definitely be and i know i lot of say, oh, i don't want Aldrich pro i do I want Aldrich SMA to go pro because if Aldrich SMA goes pro, it means he continues what he's doing now for the whole year. That's great for the team, and then he gets his chance to fulfill a dream. Uh, that's a win-win for me. And the way that Notre Dame is recruited, they'll be okay. Uh, but if Aldrich goes pro, it's because he played extremely well for an entire season. He stayed healthy. That's that's great. Coach Koch also asked, uh, in your opinion, is Deuce better option respect uh, better option than Bear is? Look, I've said this. I said I wrote an article about this last week before the commitment when bear was visiting notre dame to me was in a win-win situation with deuce and bear i like bear bachmeyer as a quarterback Uh, he reminds me a lot of pre-changing your throwing motion tyler buckner not as dynamic as a runner a little bit better arm as a thrower but very similar body type very similar style of play very similar quarterback and i'd have been totally fine if bear bachmeyer would have been your quarterback but I also always said that Deuce is the guy that I had at the top of my board because he has the high ceiling. And and Ryan and I talked about this over the summer. And the comment I made was the reason I love Deuce so much is because Deuce is the perfect quarterback to get the year after CJ Carr. CJ is a super high floor. Deuce is going to need more time, but he's got a super high ceiling. And and so you, I think he'll be. Un, I think Deuce will understand the need to be patient and to continue to develop his game which makes him great to have behind CJ because hopefully CJ comes in, he's playing early. And if it's the two of them, uh, this isn't meant to disparage Kenny Minchie. It's just to, to make a point about if if they're the next two quarterbacks, you know, CJ comes in he's playing early and Deuce comes in and he red shirts and, you know, takes his time to develop and that kind of thing. That, that, that would be an ideal situation. But yes, I, I love Deuce Knight as a quarterback and he's got all the talent in the world. You've got a quarterback coach in Gino Gadouli that if he can stay for a few years has developed a kid that's similarly raw in Desmond Ritter. And I would argue that Deuce has better physical tools than Desmond Ritter had coming out of high school by a lot. Uh, so uh, I Deuce is at the top of my board. I mean, that that was it. The only guy that I would have said, hey, if, if I could have any quarterback over Deuce, I mean, Bryce Underwood, just because he's the best quarterback in the country. But I mean, there's there's not a lot of guys I would take over Deuce because of the fact you have Kenny and CJ. You don't need a high floor guy. I, I don't need that kind of guy. And I don't need George McIntyre, who I like a lot. I like George McIntyre a ton. And if he wanted to come to their name, he'd be totally fine with that. But he's kind of like Kenny and CJ. He's kind of the same guy. He's taller, but he's the same guy. Deuce brings you something different to the table. And and uh, I like that complimentary skill set. Now, he can be a pocket passer and, and throw for a bunch of yards and all that eventually, but he'll never, as, as long as he's healthy, he'll never lose that ability to also be a dynamic runner. And that's something that I like a lot. Jeff Fluke says, what team does Desmond Howard pick Notre Dame or Ohio State? If I had to bet, I would bet that he's going to pick Notre Dame. From what I'm told, I haven't watched, but from what I'm told, and you guys in the chat can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong on this, but from what I've been told, um, you De- Desmond's been kind of high on Notre Dame this year. I, I believe he picked Notre Dame to beat NC State. Kirk Kerb Street predict Notre Dame to lose to NC State. So I would imagine so. Yeah. I would imagine so. But he'll pick Notre Dame to win that game. All right. Let's see here. Let's go to Zibby 94. Was listening to an Ohio State podcast. Mistake. Uh, where they were laughing that we had uh, Javante Jean Baptiste, and I don't understand why I've been pleased with this play so far. It's because the people that would be laughing about that are clowns. Uh and um just lack decency and respect. I mean, Javante Jean Baptiste was a good rotation player for Ohio State the last couple of years. He was. But to them, he sucked and he was terrible and he went to Notre Dame. He couldn't play here, blah 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 blah. It's just, it's they're clowns. They're they're I mean, some of the stuff I've listened to, it's like, are these like emotionally emotional children that I'm listening to? Like some of the way they talk, like it honestly, with some of the podcasts that I've saw last year and this year that people have sent me, it's like if three drunk guys at a bar who are Ohio State fans decided to do a show, that's what it would look like. And that's what it would sound like. It, it really is. It, it's just it's childish. Some of them are good. Some of them are good. But some of them are just like, why am I wasting my time listening to this? I don't understand why. Uh, but Javante Jean-Baptiste is, is done well for Notre Dame. It, now, again, he's done well against Navy and Central Michigan and Tennessee State and NC State. Can he do well in a game like this? we will find out. Because this no, nobody's going to care at the end of the year if Javante Jean-Baptiste looked great against Central Michigan and NC State. They're going to care that against Ohio State he did nothing or against Ohio State he did well. And that's going to be the key. That's what he's going to be uh, uh, be judged on. John Lacey, Vince Vaughn, rule number 76, no excuses to play like a champion. As you all know. The longtime listeners, we have certainly used that quote on this show. Great movie, by the way, great movie. And one of the, my favorite quotes ever And his, his facial expression in that, that exchange is also tremendous. Absolutely. And for those who, um, who know at the topic, it was just a fun It was a fun, it's fun, fun scene all around WJS. How hard will it be for you not to celebrate in any way in the press box? If their name is dominant tomorrow, it'll be easy, uh, to not celebrate. Now, you know, we have a way of showing emotion in games that is not visible and doesn't violate uh, policies. But um, no, I don't think it'd be hard. I mean, you know, I watched them do that to Clemson last year, and and it was enjoyable. But you, you know, you've been you do it for so long, and you just kind of it just your your entire emotional state is different than it is when you're maybe watching it at home or from the stands. David Prevo asks, uh, from a play-calling standpoint, pers- perspective, what do you hope to see on the first drive for Notre Dame? I think it's very important to have a strong start at home. Look, balance, right, David? And, and what I mean by that is you know, good run-pass mix, uh, mix up your formations and, and move them around. I want to see them come out and, and, and establish an early rhythm is what I'd like to see. I mean, look, if you get to the end zone, I don't really care. how. I mean, if you go for 75 on your first play of the scrimmage, what, okay, great. I'm like, oh, man. Why didn't you guys go on a longer drive? Why'd you only score on one play? I won't say that, but if uh, short of that, what I would like to see is just a, a, a series where you're just establishing yourself, right? You're you're moving the chains, you're running the ball, even if it's only like four, five, six, seven yards a pop. You know, you don't have to necessarily rip a big one off. You know, you get the third and five, you convert it on third down, you get the first down. And maybe hit a 13 14 yard pass play get into the red zone punch it in the end zone like that's what I want to see first drive you you showed them your 11 you showed them your 12 you showed them your 13 you ran the ball inside you ran the ball outside you know you got some shots down the field even if you don't hit them as long as you come back and move the chains let them know that this isn't going to be a dink and dunk game that's kind of what I want to see in the first couple series really david it's just keep them off balance that's hey you guys got a lot you're going to have to prepare for today keep them off balance because eventually if, if you put them in a situation where they got are start kind of guessing what's coming, they're going to guess wrong. And that's where you hit a big, that's, that's what happened against NC state. They were able to catch them in a couple calls that opened up big play opportunities and they took advantage of it. You've got to do the same thing against Ohio state, Josh Buffalo, the motivational business banker. What is the one thing each coordinator has done this season that you want them to continue to do against Ohio state and one thing to stop against Ohio state. Thank you for this great coverage. Love IB. Thank you, Josh. Thank you very much. One thing I want to see from the offensive coordinator is continue the run game diversity. I love what Jared Parker's done so far run game-wise. It's been different every week, and he's shown a level of patience with it that I respect and appreciate, and I would like to see that continue in this game. Even if early on it's maybe not going great, like NC State, they could have easily abandoned the run against NC State, and they didn't. And Audrick Estime went from three carries for one yard total to four carries for 81 yards because they kept at it kept at it they kept at it defensively what's the one thing that they've done so far that I would like to see them continue uh it would be it would be because hmm, they they haven't always done this consistently but I think they've done a pretty good job of mixing up their looks I think they've done a pretty good job of that they don't just line up and You know, give away things. They 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 line up. They do come and show pressure, and then drop. They do bring. They they've been more effective bringing second level pressures this season from depth. Prior to the Central Michigan game, anyway, they were better at that. So I'd like to see that continue. One thing I'd like them to not do, stop doing. I wanna I wanna mix things up offensively, but I would not do quite as much in series subbing. So. I would like to see them, okay, you come out in 12, give me four or five different looks out of 12 before you sub out. Unless you get into like a third down or a, you know, you get sacked and it's second and 15 and you got to put your 11 personnel in. I, I would say, you know, come out in 11 and then just show them a couple looks, show them some different looks. And as opposed to just every snap, you're rotating somebody in and out. I just think that can make it a little bit harder to to get into a really good rhythm. That would be something that I would want to see a little bit different on offense. And then defensively, you stop blitzing just because. Don't just blitz just because. Have some meth, more method to your madness. And that that was true against NC State, Navy, and even Tennessee State to a degree. It was not true against Central Michigan. But, you know, up until the Central Michigan game, I was relatively pleased with what I'd seen from Al Golden. That game was kind of gave me some 2021 flashbacks that I didn't overly enjoy. 99 problems, but BK ain't one. If Notre Dame's offensive game plan for the Ohio State game were a boxer, which boxer would you like it to be? Same question for the defense. If it's me, it's Mike Tyson for both. Violent and aggressive. All right. If if okay, you're you're. This is an interesting one. If it's a if you're talking about, I'll go defense first because the the one for defense just popped into my head. For defense, it's a Vanderholle field. Because you're going against a heavyweight offense. And Vander was always a bit of an undersized heavyweight. And he was he played, he was he was a really good defensive boxer. He could take blows. And but he would he would always he was a smart boxer. He was a patient boxer. He would wait for his time. He could get those jabs in to really sting. You. Like you think you got him, and then boom, he just hits you right in the jaw, uh, p- pops you right in the nose. Uh, really, you know, undersized guy, but quick and on the move, and he can move pretty well, and, and he had the heart of a warrior, man. I and mean, he just – he really did. And that's if, – if the defense is, plays on Saturday, like if Vander Holyfield fought during his prime, they're going to be really good, and they're going to take some blows early, and you're going to get – you're going to win a couple rounds. But the deeper you get into the game, the less chance you have to win because that heart and that speed – uh, you know, when your legs are getting, you're 30 pounds bigger than Vander and your legs are getting heavy and he's still fresh and moving, all of a sudden he starts sticking some of those blows that weren't that getting there early. Uh, that's what I would like to see from him, uh, offensively. That's a good one. Cause it, it, it wouldn't be Mike Tyson because here's the deal. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but it wouldn't be Mike Tyson. Somebody in the chat already said it uh and i'll go with that the reason it's not mike tyson because you can't knock a team out in the first quarter because you've got to play four quarters so i don't want the guy that is that i want the guy that is constantly on the attack and on the attack and speed and mixing it up and i'm hitting you from the right i'm hitting you from the left i'm moving around i'm keeping you off balance and somebody said in the chat i think it's roy jones jr i think it's a great great call Uh, it would be Roy Jones Jr. That, that would be it for me. And, and if you leave, if you leave your chin exposed, I'm going to, I'm going to knock you out. If you, if when in Roy was another one that you got deeper into fights, his, his stamina and conditioning was tremendous when he was in his prime. So if you got, if you didn't get to him early, you had no chance because he was definitely going to beat you later in fights is how I always felt when I saw him fight. So that'd be a good one for me. That'd be a good one for me. It got an interesting question here. Uh, Pablo Cruz says, hey, Brian, going to Norfolk, Virginia this weekend with the family. What's the go to restaurant in this area? So I'm a little biased because it's a it's a restaurant that I don't get to have a lot. So I I couldn't I haven't lived in Norfolk in over well over 15 years. So I couldn't tell you like a lot of the restaurants around and stuff like that. But here's where I go every time I'm home. And And I was there last week when I was visiting. I'm going to be there next week when I'm in town because I'm going to be uh, in Virginia before the Duke game. It's Captain George's, which is down on Laskin Road. Uh, you don't get that kind of seafood around here. It's an all you can eat seafood buffet. I love it. Uh, I'm I'm not a real experimental guy. I get the same thing every time. First, first uh, plate has crab leg shrimp. Um, it has uh, stuffed mushrooms and it has corn on the cob. And then after that, it's nothing but shrimp and crab legs rest of the way until I get to dessert. And then I have they have a really good banana pudding and a really good cherry cheesecake uh, that that I usually get one of those two things as well. But that uh, that's a go to for me every time. And now they've got this new addition onto it that's been built in the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years. It's called Just George's. It's like same place, but it's like a sports bar type of thing. So they have like games and all that stuff on. So uh, if you go at night on Thursday or Friday night and there's a game on, you'll be able to watch a game. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, Cap George's is the place I always go to whenever I'm in town. I was there last week or two weeks ago now before the NC State game. And uh, I'll be there again next week. So very much looking forward to that. Absolutely. Other than that, I couldn't tell you, I haven't lived there in a long time. So there might be some other, if there's some other folks from Norfolk that have been in the town, they can kind of tell you some, maybe some other types of restaurants there. But for me, uh, that's the only place I concern myself trying to get to and the other thing i do when i'm there and, and this may not be th- I, I get wawa subs like for lunch i love wawa subs i've been eating those since i was in college and um that's it man that's only that's only that's the only other thing that i have to do but that's not really a restaurant and lots of people have wawas so that would be mine 99 props became one if no names offensive game play for the house day game oh i actually just answered that one that was the boxing question which is a really good one Jason Rose, hey, Brian, take out the coaching aspect of it. How do you feel about the future of the defense from a talent perspective? The talent is in the pipeline. It's getting a lot closer. It's not there yet. It's not there yet as far as, you know, having the kind of defense like Ohio State had in 15 and 14 and and having the kind of defense like Clemson had in their prime in like 18, you know, to where you're just like, dude, you have like NFL guys everywhere. You got NFL guys at corner, NFL guys at safety, NFL guys at linebacker, NFL guys on the D line. They're not there yet. They're getting closer. But you know, like the 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 talent at linebacker, there's a big gap between your fifth years and then your next group of guys are freshmen and sophomores. So there's like a gap in between. Uh in tier of the D line still has to get better uh, and and more consistently better. The the edge rush, like your incoming freshman class is pretty good. They got some good edge rushers in the 24 class with Cole Mullins and Logan Thomas and and Bryce Young, but the consistency's not there from the D line they're still getting like the high ceiling, low floor guys. It'd be nice to to get guys that have high floors and high ceilings every now and then. Like linebacker recruiting is the closest, and cornerback recruiting is the closest thing to like, yep, it's arrived. Because it, when you look at the 22 class, I love the Josh Burnham, Jalen Sneed, Junior Tula Mock, and Nolan Ziegler class. Um, by the way, uh, for those who don't know, Nolan was on the sideline on Saturday against Central Michigan. So that's great. So he's his progress has come along. I'll just kind of leave it at that. But it's been very encouraging news. Last couple of weeks. So uh, um, as long as he stays on track, I fully expect him to to be back to be back in pads and practicing and all that here very soon. But he was with the team on the sideline on Saturday, was there with, during warm ups, not going through warm ups, but there with the coaches. So that was awesome. It was really cool to see that. It was really, really important for me uh, and, and for him and his family to see that. So that was good. But uh, you know you you were so good there. You, you, Josh Burnham's now moved over to Viper. Junior Chalamock has helped, and then you replace that with another great linebacker class and Craig Bowen and Jaden Osbury and Preston Zinner. You've got another really good line, great linebacker class coming in with Kingston Villiama, Asa and Bodie Cahoon and Teddy Rizak. So linebacker recruiting is 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 it's there. It's it's now it's just develop it right. Cornerback recruiting is there. I mean Benjamin Morrison, Jaden Mickey. You follow that up with Micah Bell and Christian Gray. You follow that up with with Leonard Moore and Carson Hobbs. Now, I'm not as high on Carson Hobbs as the Notre Dame staff is. They love that kid. I got to see it. But Leonard Moore's a dude. And then you look at some of the corners they're they're bringing in from 24 – in the 25 class. I mean, Devin Williams loves Notre Dame so far. He's not a done deal by any stretch. And I wouldn't even necessarily call him their leader right now, but they're in the game. They're in the game with Mark Zachary. They're in the game with – Dallas Golden, Dorian Brew. So I mean, that that position's there. Safety's got to get better. I, getting Bronte Johnson was huge. I like Kennedy Urlacher. I haven't watched Tabron Benny Powell senior film yet, but I've heard he's looked a lot better. Uh, I can't say that firsthand because I haven't watched it yet. You've got to have a great safety class in twenty five. That's so important because it, now I, I like the Adon Schuler and and Ben uh, Minute class. A uh, Don in limited snaps has looked pretty good. He really has. I liked what I've seen from a Don Shuler uh, so far uh, in limited time. He he could end up even being better than I thought from what I've seen so far. Again, very very limited snaps, but just athletically he looks better than I thought he was going to be. Uh, safety's a work in progress. D tackle definitely a work in progress. Uh, D end is too inconsistent. So like so those positions uh, are are there's a lot of talent there, but. They're, they're too much in that once these guys leave, there's a big question mark. Like, let's say Howard Cross and Riley Mills both go pro after this year. And you've got Onye and Rubio, but after that, it's like Donovan Heinish and what? You know what I mean? Like, you, you lose Nana and Javante Jean-Baptiste after this year. Who's your big ends next year? It's hopefully Tyson Ford and maybe maybe Bubacar moves over there. Maybe Brennan Vernon. Like, do we really know who that's going to be? Uh, we don't. And and that's a problem. But they're they're a lot further along now than they were three years ago, because they're recruiting so much better and consistently at corner and and linebacker and and they are getting really good raw talent on the D line. Like they're not bringing in like the Jonathan McAllisters anymore and and guys like that. Uh, they're not having to take chances on banged up injured guys with a lot of ability. Uh, like I loved Hunter Spears, loved Hunter Spears coming out of high school, but he was a risk because he had the knee injuries and you weren't sure if he was ever if he was going to be that same guy and and he ended up having some more injuries and all that but like you're taking a risk on a guy like that and and that's still okay from time to time but you can't just keep doing it and uh you know so so it's it's better but it's not there yet the 25 class is going to really tell us a lot about where they are
2: whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: The sun chance kid. Brian, my, we are taking my mom tomorrow late morning, about 45 minutes out of town to celebrate her birthday. Any suggestions to get the family back before kickoff? They can spend hours at a mall. <laughs> um. To say tomorrow late morning, 45 minutes out of town to celebrate their birthday. What I would say is like, find something that the, find some uh, ladies only event. Like play, Hey, you know what? Like, why don't you ladies go do this thing? Like take them to a spa, you know, take them to some sort of thing like that. Where like the ladies go to sort of like the ladies thing. So, and you got to beg your wife to, you know, if you have a wife or a girlfriend or sister or whatever, like, Hey, can you take one for the team and take mom to the spa and then while they're doing that, you guys guys find a nice sports bar and watch the game. That's what I would suggest that you do if you're still out of town. But that's pretty funny. All right. Next question is uh Chris S, what's the consensus on Rudolph as a coach, as an O line coach? I don't know that there's a consensus on him, and and we really aren't going to know who he is until after this game. Ask me this next week, and I'll have a much better answer for you. Brian Laliberte, it seems like over the first few games, Estime started slow. And as the defense wears down, he takes over. Do you see the offense under utilizing Price and Love more in the first half to keep Audrick fresh? That's what they've done so far, Brian. I mean, we saw that against we saw that against um, Central Michigan. Audric didn't carry the ball once in the second quarter. Uh, he got several carries. I actually thought Audric started pretty well against um, against Central Michigan. That that's a game where I I somewhat disagree with you a little bit on that one. I, I think overall Audrick's always been a little bit of a slow starter. That's just because the line. You know, usually needs a little bit of time to go, but I actually thought last week that Audrick started pretty well uh, against Central Michigan. I mean, first carry of the game, he goes for eight yards. Uh, next carry, he goes for three, to m- which move the chains. Then he goes for five yards and, and gets that. Second series of the game, he got one carry, one yard on the second down. Uh, they converted to third and nine. He didn't get another carry again until you got to a first and 10 at the 37 going in. He gets a first down. Uh, you you go pass uh, quarterback or inside zone to Jeremiah Love for eight. You get into third and two. You give it to Audric. He gets stopped. Fourth and one. He goes for seventeen yard touchdown. So I actually thought Audric came out and and played pretty well. The the next time he gets the football is the third quarter, and then he obviously goes off. But I actually thought Audric started pretty well in this game. Uh, NC State game he didn't start incredibly well. Obviously went three you know three carries for for one yard. First carry of the game against Tennessee State, he went for nine yards. But again, you know, he kind of kind of took over as the game got on. I I think it was sometimes with those big kind of backs, they just need a little bit of they just got to get rolling. I mean, first game, first drive of the game against Navy, his two of his first three carries went for 10 plus yards, and then he ends the drive with a seven-yard gain to get down to the goal line and he punches in on the next drive. Uh, his first carry, of the second drive, went for 13 yards and he fumbled, and then they took him out. So I think Aldrich started a little bit better this year than he has in the past. I think the NC State game wasn't a good start, but that's because the offensive line was getting their butt kicked and they were overloading Notre Dame with numbers. So I, I think last year, Aldrich was definitely not as fast starter, and that's why they didn't play him a ton. But I do think the staff has done a pretty good job of, of mixing in their running back rotation a lot more early, and then second half, Aldrich's a little bit more fresh and he can put a team away. So I think in that regard, Brian, I agree with your observation and, and very a lot and think the staff will continue to, to utilize those guys to keep them fresh. Joe Allen says, when you tailgate, what adult beverage is your go-to? I don't, well, I assume by adult beverage, you mean alcohol. I don't, uh, I don't drink alcohol. I've never had a beer. I mean, I've had like alcoholic drinks before my life, but not much. Um, I'm not really an alcohol drinker. Uh, So, I mean, at tailgates, I'm water, Mountain Dew, Gatorade. That's my, that's my tailgate beverage now we might have some twisted tea tomorrow at the tailgate because because twisted tea sent us a bunch of stuff because they're sponsoring our cfb nation uh they're sponsoring our channel for the football seasons twisted tea is our, our official sponsor of the cfb nation channel during the season so we, we they've sent us a bunch so we may bring that tomorrow i still gotta i still gotta decide whether or not i'm comfortable with that or not but uh so my, my answer would be my adult beverage at a tailgate is either mountain dew or or caterade would be my my choice or water If I'm trying to not have a lot of sugar tomorrow, it'll be Mountain Dew. Sorry, folks. It will be Carmel Anthony or Carmel Humphrey. Sorry. With as good as our DBs are having them five, six yards off receivers in the first four games seems odd. And it kind of reminds me of old DC strategy that got us killed. Any reason to keep doing this? Uh, I haven't, I haven't felt that way. They always have um, like the field corners always been off under Al golden last year. Benjamin Morrison's always mixed it up. There's been a lot of press. I haven't noticed that Benjamin's been off more this year than last year. Uh, the field corner's always been off more. And I don't – I mean, look, my man, listen. Look, there's a lot of things that I can complain about without Golden. Oh, a lot of things. Just because he and I – and the reason why, because he and I philosophically, like what he likes to do on defense isn't necessarily like my cup of tea. The defense the first three games was was pretty good, right? Pretty darn good. But when it comes to how they're using their corners, in in four games, Benjamin Morrison and and Cam Hart have combined to give up seven completions. If you add Jaden Mickey into the conversation, they've combined to give up eight completions, and then you'd have to go to their number four corner to get to 10 completions on the season in four games. The top two deep at cornerback has allowed 10 completions on, let me do the math here. That's 21 and Jaden's three. So that's 24 Christian grace three. That's 27 teams are 10 of 27 in four games against Notre Dame's corners. It's 37%. That's pretty good. One of Ohio State's starting cornerbacks, Davidson N. Bignosa, and I hope I'm saying that right, has given up 12 completions this year. Ohio State's starting two corners and in their, in their nickel corner in three games. And everybody keeps saying how good their corners are, and they have played well. But their top three corners have given up 23 completions on 46 attempts, according to Pro Football Focus. So 50% completion rate so far this year. They've had one touchdown allowed, one interception allowed, for four pass breakups. And and so, I mean, I, I have a hard time criticizing what Al Golden has done with the corners so far this year. I, I, I just, I mean, there's a lot of things we could say, hey, man, don't do this, don't do this. But how he's playing his corners, uh, I can't, I can't be with you there. I, I just, I can't be with you there. I, how they're playing their corner so far has worked really well. Now, will it work tomorrow? Find out. But so far, man, I, I mean, they've been pretty good so far. Spark five two one nine. If our guards are not holding up under high state pressure, do we go? Do we give Billy and Andrew a shot? I, I, they've shown no inkling that they're going to do anything at guard other than play those two guys. So, I'll say this: I don't know the answer. I hope we don't find out tomorrow. Uh, that's just what I'll say. Hope we don't find out. I think we can all agree on that. Tyler Evans with Super Chat. Thank you, Tyler, very much. What would you examine? What would you examine? What would your, I don't know, excitement level be if Benjamin Morrison or Cam Hart does a pick six early in the game? I'd be super fired up. I mean, that that's the kind of thing that can break a game like this open. I mean, I think of like the Michigan State game in 2015 You guys remember 2017. You guys remember that game? That, was a, that ended up being a really good Michigan State team uh except when they played ohio state but that that's a pretty good michigan state team that year they weren't ranked at the time but they ended up winning you know 10 games that year uh pretty good football team really good rush defense that year really good rush defense that year you know but notre dame comes out that dry that game and they go i, I believe this i believe notre dame started with the ball i'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up but I, uh, real quick so just notre dame i believe starts with the ball and they go down and they score if you remember uh brandon hit a um a deep ball to Equinemius. He had a scored on a a quarterback draw on that drive, went right down the field and scored on Michigan state. And then Michigan state gets the ball back and um, they go down and get to near midfield and Brian Lewerke throws a pick six to Julian Love. And they were playing from behind the eight ball the rest of the game. Now they end up scoring their next drive to make 14 seven, but like they just could never quite get back into that game. And next thing you know, at halftime, and it hell also helped. Sean Crawford, who we talked about earlier, made a phenomenal play, knocking the ball out of the hands of their running back on that, on that, uh, in that game. If you guys remember, uh LJ Scott was about to score and, and he knocks it out. They recover it, go down and score. So make, and it was 21 7. It was about to be 21 14. Dame gets the ball back, goes down the field, scores a touchdown, 28 7 games over. It's a pretty good Michigan State team. That kind of pick six, those kind of big plays defensively. That, that either take points off the board for them or add points to you are huge. You know, I think that same season, here's another one. Uh, Notre Dame's playing NC State that year in 2017. A pretty close game, pretty hard-fought game, you know, and uh, Julian Love has a pick six in that game that was just sort of a backbreaker. I mean, those type of plays can really have a big impact on a team. It was 21-14 third quarter NC state's trying to score to get back in the game and pick six is all of a sudden it's 28 14. And it's just, it was never the same. So yeah, anytime you can make a play like that, especially if you can do it early can be a huge momentum swing. I mean, think of the think of the energy that erupted out of that Notre Dame stadium last year when they blocked that punt against Clemson, same, same kind of energy, but pick six to me uh, is, is a scoop and score on a fumble is going to give you the same energy as a blocked punt for a touchdown a blocked field goal that you return back for a touchdown it is a huge emotional swing and it can really energize a crowd so man i would be excited uh fired up and it would just because if you can get cheap points against ohio state that's a great way to help you win football games i mean if you can score 30 something points without having to have five different scoring drives or you've got to go 75 80 plus yards And you can get short fields or your defense can give you points. I mean, think about this. We talk about how Notre Dame smashed Clemson last year, right? Like, man, they just blew Clemson out. They scored 21 offensive points. And seven of those offensive points came on like a 12-yard drive because of the defense. They didn't blow Clemson out last year because their offense played great. They blew Clemson out last year because their defense and special teams both got them points. And the defense got them three scores. I mean, the, the special the defense got them two scores, so they had three non-offensive scores if you if you credit the defense for giving them the ball at the 11 or 12-yard line going in, if you remember that first interception. So, I mean, Notre Dame beat Clemson last year by three touchdowns in a game where they only had 348 yards of offense. That's it. It passed for 85 yards. So those things can be huge, huge momentum changers, man. Huge. Raymond Harton asks, uh, Super Chat, thank you, Raymond. Who's our best blocking running back? Oh, man. I'd probably say Audrick for the most part. Devin Ford's been pretty good in limited snaps. Uh, That probably my top two. Troy McIntosh asks, thank you for Super Chat, Troy. Will we see Notre Dame use the slow mesh? I would hope not. That's not who Notre Dame is. Um, Now, would I like to see some, some play actions where, you know, maybe you come out of that and hit something quick if you think you can catch them in a blitz? Yeah, sure. But, no, I'm not a big fan of the slow mesh. Look, guys, there's a reason that Sam Hartman threw 10, like 12, 13 plus interceptions the last two years because the slow mesh is going to get, it's going to create openings. and It's also going to get you into trouble at times. And you could, you could create, you could give maybe four or five interceptions in the last two years each year to it being a direct result of because you're running the slow mesh. Yeah, it works great for Clemson, but it's just not who Notre Dame is. So I hope we don't see it. Look, this is the first time, Troy. My, and here's partly why I'm answering the question that way, Troy. This is what I'm explaining. It. For me, this is the first time that, that I feel Notre Dame has the team that where they don't have to pull out the bag of tricks. And what I mean bag of tricks is like, like, I'm okay doing a reverse. If you're going to over-pursue and fly to the ball when we run toss, I'm going to hurt you with it. So I don't view like a reverse because I saw something or like as, as, a, as a bag of tricks. What I mean is you're going away from who you are because you don't think you're good enough to just beat them on your own. I don't, this is the first time in a long time that I've played against this caliber team where I've actually felt that's not the case. Play your game, be who you are. Now, are there some things we're going to see against Ohio State on Saturday that we haven't seen all year? I expect that, both sides of the ball. I expect Ohio State to show some stuff they haven't shown this year. But that's a little different than like changing your entire backfield philosophy and, and doing all that stuff. And I also don't want to get those habits back into to, to Sam Hartman, to be honest with you. I just I don't necessarily want to go there. Super chat from Gregory Perez with coaches in this. Thank you, Gregory, very very much for this one and the next one. Uh, with coaches and uh, assistants in all CFB have outright impressed you. What which coaches and assistants in all of college football have outright impressed you so far this year? For me, it is Dino Babers, even though I feel like he will eventually let me down with what was starting with uh, what was starting to look bad. Gregory also says in a related question. Uh, do you feel like there are multiple avenues for Notre Dame to win? And is is that due to Notre Dame's ascension or an Ohio State regression? It's about a Notre Dame's ascension. Like, look, yeah, Ohio State's not going to be as good with a backup quarterback – or not a backup quarterback, a first-year quarterback as they were with C.J. Stroud if the whole year under his belt. And Common Core's not as good as C.J. Stroud was. But they are very, very talented. This is a very good football team. And if Notre Dame wins, they'll have to earn it. And But as I as I was saying to Troy – this is the first time I feel like Notre Dame doesn't have to play the perfect game to win. They just got to play their game, which means, you know, look, if if you're able to burn them with the pass game, burn them with the pass game. If you can hurt them with the run game, hurt them with the run game. There's different ways that they can win a game like this, which is really important. And, and, you know, to me, that's, that's, um that's what I want to see, man. I, I just, I want to see them do that. I don't want to see them have to you know, man, you catch a million breaks and you still only win by a field goal because you're just not as good as them. You just kind of got lucky that day, right? Like, I don't want to see that. I want to see them just, look, we're the better team. We're the better team right now. Uh, and that's what I want to see. To your first super chat, I, look, you know, staffs that have impressed me so far. Coach Babers is obviously one. The job he's done at Syracuse this year uh, is excellent. They're off to a great start. They're 3-0. and They blew out Colgate. They blew out Western Michigan teams you're supposed to beat. They had a really nice road win over Purdue. You know, Purdue, we'll see how good Purdue is. They play Army this weekend. He's got to win that game to keep it going. The problem with Coach Babers has been not so much that they can't get off the good starts, it's that they can't keep those starts going. You know, last year, Clemson started, or Syracuse started 6-0, and similar to this year. Blew out Louisville in the opener, blew out UConn, had a really nice win over Purdue, you know, beat Virginia, blew out Wagner, beat NC State, who was ranked 15th in the nation at the time, 24-9. to Then they lost a hard-fought game to Clemson, and they got blown out by Notre Dame, and then they imploded. They end up going, you know, seven and five in the regular season, lose a bowl game to Minnesota, and they go seven and six. So they went one and six in the last seven games. And we've seen that from from Coach Babers' teams. I mean, two years ago, they start off three and one, lose to Rutgers, and then they implode. You know, so you start off three and one, you go two and six the rest of the way. Those those are the things that have really hurt him in in past years is just, you know, you see these good starts, 2018, you know, you, you start off, pretty good you're 4-0 then you lose back-to-back games you know kind of climb back pretty well and then you in the season get blown out by Notre Dame right and late in the year so it's been the finish with Coach Babers that's been the issue but so far love what I'm seeing from him uh, in the ACC like hey you know what's kind of funny is you know, everybody talks about North Carolina and Drake May and all that kind of stuff but look right now North Carolina's defense is doing pretty well and, and somebody said to me, like, well, you know, what about the App State game? And I was like, well, you know, I mean, they they gave up 27 points in regulation. I'm, it wasn't great. Uh, but if you watch the game, I mean, they, they did some pretty good things in that game as well, right? Uh, but that was sort of the anomaly. They they did a great job shutting down South Carolina's offense. They did a great job shutting down Minnesota's offense. They're not a great defense by any stretch, but they've gotten better. Hats off to Coach uh, Coach Chiswick for making them better. I mean – They've already held two opponents so far this season. North Carolina has to under 20 points. Uh, if you go back and look at 2020, their team last year, the, they held one, one opponent the entire year to under 21 points. And that didn't happen until game five. They gave up 24 points to a Florida a team that had like 20 dudes not eligible for that game. They still gave up 24 points. You have 28 points to Georgia State, 61 to Appalachian State. Uh, so, yeah, they've done a really nice job, really nice job at North Carolina uh, defensively. I think they've done a really nice job so far. Uh, some other coaching staffs that have done a good job so far. I mean, uh, Miami's having a nice bounce back year. Uh, Coach Elko's done a doing a great job at Duke so far, really like the job he's doing there. Uh, Lance Leopold is, is just really building a nice little program at Kansas. I mean, really nice little program at Kansas. I uh, like what he's doing. Uh, I thought Coach Stark did a great job getting that team ready to go play down at Alabama. Uh, th- thought he did just an excellent job there. Uh, like what they're doing so far. Uh, Greg Schiano and Rutgers off to a very good start. They've coached well. You know, I like some things that they're doing uh, so far this season. So, so hats off to what the Rutgers staff is doing so far. Uh, Florida, uh, look – I was the only guy. I think I was the only guy. No, no. Andrew McDonough also picked Florida last week. And Andrew McDonough in our in our college football picks is, by the way, is undefeated so far. So, and he has Notre Dame winning by double digits tomorrow. So just just a heads up to y'all. But you know, I, we he and I both predicted Florida to, to beat Tennessee last week because the thing I said is like, guys, you go back and watch that game. Florida outgained Utah by seventy six yards. They lost that, and Utah got what like a quarter of that on one play, the first play of the game. They had 70 yards on the first play of the game, and they only had 200 the rest of the way. And part of it's because they called the dogs off a little bit. But Florida moved the ball on Utah. They just kept shooting themselves in the foot with turnovers and stupid penalties and and, and just taking sacks when they shouldn't have taken sacks and things like that. But, you know, Florida bounced back, and 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 uh, they, they looked good. I mean, FCS, McNeese, they're not very good, but Florida looked good in in that game, I thought. And then they come out and, and they smack Tennessee. So, you know, Billy Napier's team could have collapsed and folded, but they didn't, and they, they battled. So uh, hats off to him. They got Charlotte this week, and then Kentucky Vanderbilt. They've got to beat Kentucky on the road. If they can beat Kentucky on the road, and all of a sudden they're heading to a game against South Carolina in October 6-1, uh, and one, and they're going to be ranked, actually be 5-1, and one, and they're going to be ranked. And if they can somehow beat South Carolina on the road, which won't be easy, they're going into their October 28th Georgia game against Georgia six and one, uh, and got some real momentum. And and you know even if they lose that game, you're talking about a team that's six and one. They've got Arkansas at home, they would have Florida State at home, at LSU Missouri. Could be a nice bounce back season for Florida based on what we've seen. Now that's a lot of ifs, but I liked how his team responded to that season opening loss. They could have they could have collapsed. I mean there was a lot. That could, I'm like man, what the heck are we doing here? This is terrible. So and then of course Washington State, which Ryan talked about this summer, is a staff he really liked. Washington State's doing a heck of a job, uh, really doing a nice job. And of course, you know what Deion Sanders has done at Colorado is, I mean, guys, I, I I said if they go six and six, he should be up for Coach of the Year, and they're already they're already halfway there. They're three and zero, and the heart they showed against Colorado State. I mean, I, I was impressed by that. I was really impressed by that. Now, just the Pac-12 in general has got some staffs doing some really nice jobs. Chip Kelly's done a really nice job so far with UCLA. They're going to be tested this week against Utah. But like what they've done so far – and look, it's early and they haven't played anybody, but USC's defense looks better. I, I want to see them tested by a real offense, but you can, only, you can only do what's in front of you, right? You can only play against what's in front of you. And, and so far what they've had in front of them has been – they've – thrived against they struggled early against san jose state but since then they've they've played very very well in my opinion very well and these last few questions i'm going to get to because we got to get out of here i'm going to start to lose my voice a little bit and uh uh, so i don't i don't want to do, do that so just give me a second i want to find any um find some good questions here uh here's one from usma 87 hypothetical alt leaf the draft fisher stays Does Jagasaw become the new left tackle or does Fisher move to left tackle? I don't know that the next tackle would necessarily be Charles Jagasaw. I could also see Charles Jagasaw staying inside a guard and maybe beating out somebody at guard. I could see that, certainly. I would imagine in this scenario where if Charles Jagasaw is your next best tackle, let's assume that it's not Tosh Baker uh, who's currently the backup left tackle. Let's say Tosh doesn't come back and he's not the left tackle, which I could see. And and Blake comes back. I I could see if it's Emil Wagner, I could see Notre Dame doing one of two things, and I'm not sure which one I think is the better the better option. It, it's going to depend on how Blake plays the rest of the year. You, I'd say move Emil to left tackle, let him battle with Tosh Baker, is what I would what I would probably do right now. It, that's what I would probably do is move him because I have not been in, I have not liked what I've seen from Blake so far this year. Uh, especially in pass pro he's gonna have to step up a lot in that regard now if blake finishes strong then i'd say move him to left tackle and and let him build his draft stock there but the way he's played so far you know i i don't i haven't loved what i've seen from blake to where i would want to put him on the blind side of a quarterback to be honest with you he's gonna have to get a little bit better he's definitely gonna have to get better there's no doubt about it all right uh, question from Jack Johnson. Hey, Brian, I've only watched the All-22 film against NC State and in Indy right guard and center. Did not look good at all. Was that a one-game thing or are they a weak link? I think it was a one-game thing. You know, Rocco's still a young player. You watched the third career start of his third career start. I think if you go back and watch that game, though, there were some blocks that Rocco did very well. It's just the bad blocks were bad. But the good blocks for Rocco have been very good. Against Central Michigan, we saw a lot more of the very good and not as many of the bad. He's got to just keep working his feet. Rocco's problem is he starts stopping his feet. I think Zeke's issues against NC State had a lot to do with just how the guards weren't playing well. I thought both guards didn't play well against NC State. Pat Hogan had a couple really nice blocks. The ADR touchdown run, Pat had a great uh, pull and kick on that to open up um, uh, Audrick Estime's initial vertical entry. But who'd they run behind on that play? And they ran behind the right side of the line where Rocco is. So Rocco's just been up and down. Uh, He was better, a lot better against NC State or against Central Michigan. When I went and rewatched the game, Rocco had about five or six blocks. You're like, dude, if you can do that consistently, you're going to be really good. It's just he still gets himself in too many situations where he stops his feet. And that's that's kind of my that's kind of my thing with Rocco is you just got to keep him working your feet through contact. But again, he's a young player, and I saw some other comments that you made in the chat about uh, you know about Rocco and some you know how he he needs to be gone or whatever. I mean, look, you're assuming that somebody else has been better than he has, and I, I don't know that that's a a safe assumption. You know, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh well, because the head coach has decided this you know, that guy must be better. That, that's not really my style, but you know, I think Rocco's done a, enough good in in three start or four starts that you say, hey, look, yeah, he's got to get better, but this guy's done some good things. And this guy's going to continue to be a guy that we're going to build and develop because the thing that Rocco can do, and I'm just watching a play against NC State where it was a the first run by Jadarian, uh, Jadarian Price, you know, Rocco pulls around, Guy comes off the edge, he kicks him out, takes proper angle, forces the guy to go outside. Jadarian cuts right inside of him. You know, he's done some good things where it's like if you can just give us that more consistently, then he's gonna be a really good player because Rocco can move people. He did a he did a really nice job uh, on Jadarian Price's 10-yard run where he saw the guy crashing in, he wraps the guy around, did a really nice job there. There was another run. Uh, Audrick estimates, I think first carry of the second half, they're running power. Uh, and, and on that play. So it, I think it was Davis Sherwood. So they're blocking power. Davis is supposed to kick out. So Jack, if you're on the message board, you, you probably, you should have seen this, but, uh, they're running power to the left and, and Davis Sherwood was supposed to kick out the edge and then Rocco is going to pull around and, and get in between, you know, that, that A and B gap as the rapper. Well, the edge crashes down, and so Davis logs him. He gets outside of him, and Rocco reads it perfectly, uh, comes around, has his eyes upfield, and sees the sees the linebacker coming out, and he blocks him. He doesn't dominate, but he blocks him, gets good proper angle, takes the guy on, and Audric runs right inside of him for a 21-yard gain. I saw a lot more of that stuff from Rocco against Central Michigan. And then what Ryan and I talked about last week before the game when you break down that game, the best part of their defense was their interior. You know, so he did that against what is the best part of that Central Michigan defense. Now, it's not a great defense, but I thought Rocco was a lot better. And if he can just move his feet more consistently, but build on the Central Michigan game, he's not only going to keep a starting job, I think he's going to be pretty good. But he's going to have to do that, though, right? Like, that's going to be the key, is he's going to have to do that. Uh, Zeke Corral played very well against NC State. So, look... Uh, big picture, though, to your point, I never make an assumption about who should or shouldn't start or who is or isn't a great player or a good player or a bad player based on one game. I, I've said this to people before. If the only game you ever watched of Tom Brady was like, you know, some of the couple of the playoff games against the Broncos that they lost or the Super Bowl against the Giants, you'd probably be like Let's, this. This guy's the greatest of all time. I don't think so. It, it, you never make that impression off of one game. It's over the course of an entire season. What is he? What's he grading out? Is he grading out at a high level? Is that just a bad game? Is he kind of doing that week after week? Those are all important things, and that's why I would say always use more context to create it to to create an, a, an opinion and an impression of a player. I think that's always wise. Always wise. Well, that's going to do it for today's show, everybody. I've about run out of my voice, and so I can just kind of feel it going. So I'm going to go and not talk for a little while. Uh, but uh, I appreciate y'all being with us today. This was a lot of fun to be able to do a super chat. It's a lot of talking for just one guy. So I apologize. I wasn't able to get to all the questions. I need to save my voice for tomorrow because we're going to be at the tailgate. So we're going to have our tailgate tomorrow, at Stadium lot. We're going to hope to get there around one. I'll tweet out and put on the message board when we're going to be there uh and, and where we are. So I'll tweet out like where the, what the poll number is in the parking lot. So definitely come join us. I'll be there from, when it starts, I'll probably go into the stadium around 5.30, 6 o'clock at the latest. So I'll be there. Vince is going to hopefully get there around 2 o'clock. Uh, so we're, we're going to have some fun tomorrow. So I need to save my voice a little bit so when you guys are there tomorrow, we can talk and have fun, and you guys can ask questions or we can just hang out, whatever. Uh, if anybody has, like, a TV op situation, hit me up. You know, we can always do that. And I'm still looking for a second parking pass in the stadium lot because I'd like a little bit more room there. So if you've got one and you're willing to sell it, hit me up on Twitter or shoot me a message on the board or email me at brian at Oursbreakdown.com. So definitely check that out. So folks, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. If you've not already done so, sign up for the message boards at boards at irishbreakdown.com. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you tomorrow for the post game show. Uh, hopefully some of you will see at the tailgate, but have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you again soon, and uh, hopefully we're all in a good mood when we get together for the game show tomorrow night. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks for joining us on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.